You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 410 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday, August 1st, and I'm joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Scott, the deadline is over, and the Braves made some moves, but they did not trade for anyone famous. Are you distraught? I am not distraught. (laughs) Uh, I was really genuinely curious to see how today was going to go. At this point, I think Alex Santhopoulos and the front office deserve every benefit of the doubt with their decisions. Um, I really wasn't sure. I thought they there was a world where they would be creative and make a couple of bigger moves. And then I also thought there was a real chance that they evaluated this roster and said, there's no real weakness here and went with the horses they have and, and added a couple of pieces over the last week. So always a fun time, not a ton of movement either across the league, which we should probably talk about. Uh, but nonetheless, always a fun day and always a, a pleasure to do one of these with you in the late evening on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah. So uh, number one, if you have missed anything on the Braves side of things on this podcast feed, I encourage you to listen to it. We purposely, because I had some travel, I had, of course, COVID last week. If you listen to the podcast, uh, Sean and Steven stepped in on Sunday for us. Sean was on the show again last night. And we always plan to have me and Scott back after a nine-day absence after the deadline. We joked that what if they don't do anything? And we'll talk about baseball, I guess. And they did some stuff, as we'll talk about, as we already did talk about. But yeah, it's been it's been busy, but not uh, nothing blockbuster-like for this Braves team. But still plenty to discuss, honestly. And I think what you said makes sense in that it was very obvious that the Braves did not have to do anything big. And I, I want to say that one more time. The Braves did not have to do anything big. And we kind of said that in the last couple of weeks on this podcast. Now, w- there were things that we would have liked to see them do. And I think, as we'll come back to in a second, kind of the thing people focused on a lot the last couple of days was the rotation, which they did not really upgrade in the last couple of days. But I think what you included there is important in that this is still a team that no team is perfect, and this team is not perfect by any means, but they have the best record in baseball, the best run differential in baseball, and they don't have the kind of weaknesses that are glaring. Now, if you watch this team every single day, as I know a lot of fans do, you can kind of get in the weeds, and we'd all like to see other things improved. But this is not a situation where they had, like, this is not 2021 where they had just an outfield of just nothingness. Like, they they didn't have that kind of glaring need. I think they approached it that way, and Thoughtless talked about that tonight, which we'll come back to later on, too, but... They did improve the roster. So I, I want to start there and talk about like you, know, you and I had not done a podcast together in the last nine days. And uh, you made a point that I, I fully agree with that I'm going to let you make 
on the show about like kind of the way things were spread out, but they did improve the team in the last couple of days. It just, it just wasn't with like huge home run moves. It was more like singles on the margins, but that's okay when you're really good already. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think the, I don't want to say people were disappointed or, or down in the dumps after just the one Brad hand acquisition today. But the fact is that you have Nicky Lopez as a utility guy. You have Pierce Johnson, who I've been pretty impressed with. And then the aforementioned Brad Hand. You add those three guys really over the last eight or nine days. Now, I think if all three of them were acquired in the hours leading up to the deadline today, maybe the vibe would be a little bit different. And well, sure. I mean, Nicky Lopez and, and Brad Hand, I mean, th- those guys haven't guaranteed a World Series by any means, but they are valuable in their own ways. They have their role. They have things that they do well. And we're, we're going to talk about all three of them here. But again, for example, Brad Hand, a lefty specialist. Uh, the Braves don't have a ton of lefties available at the moment. Nicky Lopez was a a player they did not have on the roster really at all as a true utility type who can move all over the place, really good defensively. I know that Braves Facebook loves Charlie Culberson, but the fact is Charlie Culberson really had no real reason to be on this roster other than good vibes. And then Pierce Johnson was an obvious buy low candidate from the Rockies. He's only had a couple of appearances so far, but I, I like the stuff. I think he has a chance to be an impactful middle reliever. And if all of those moves were made in the last 24 hours, there'd probably be a little more hype and excitement than what there was today. Uh, you know, Brad Hand's a 33-year-old lefty veteran. He's not going to draw the the lead story on SportsCenter tonight. But I do think all three of these guys have a real role on this team moving forward and then potentially in October as well. Yes. and. I'm mindful now that we might have a couple of new listeners, I would imagine, that are not every single episode listeners. And Scott and I are not going to just paint the rosy picture to paint the rosy picture. That's not what we do on this podcast. We're very, uh, if anything, we're seen as probably being too negative most of the time. Uh, And I think that I I did see a little bit of frustration. I think a lot of it's just normal fan frustration and that everyone, including us, and I'll acknowledge this, like everyone would love to see big, splashy moves and there's the deadline and it, it kind of everybody's excited about it. And the Braves have done some good stuff in the last couple of years, of the deadline, et cetera. And I think it would have been fun and would have been, you know, probably an easier podcast to do in some ways if they had went out and gotten, you know, a more flashy name somewhere. But I do think that what you said makes sense. Like they, if they did all this today, it would have been probably seen differently. And we talked about, you know, the bullpen being the area that I think we were all convinced they were going to do something in the bullpen. Number one, it's kind of just easier to do that. Then sort of other spots. And also it's the area where it pretty much is impossible to have too much bullpen, uh, too many options, I would say, in the bullpen. And this Braves team has had a really good bullpen this year to the, uh, again, we keep pointing this out, I think every week on the on the podcast that, you know, the frustrations always boil over about the bullpen. But if you take even a half step back and just look at the numbers and like they've been good in the bullpen this year, they haven't been dominant. And like we could just start with Brad Hand, like Brad Hand, is not exciting. He used to be a closer. He's been a high-level reliever in the past. He's definitely more in the veteran, you know, sort of stopgap situation at this point in time. He's very cheap for this year. Um, and if you look at his overall numbers, they're not terribly inspiring. But as you mentioned, he has been really, really good against lefties for the vast majority of his career. And yes, there's a three-batter minimum. There's a little bit of limitation to that. But if you finish the inning, it doesn't really matter anymore. And I think if, again, you know, 
AJ Minter is back, which helped, which helps. But um, there was a period of time recently where the lefty side of the bullpen was pretty barren. Dylan Lee is still injured at this point in time. And I think again, like not sexy, but Brad Hand helps you. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's just kind of cooked, or maybe you have eight guys in the bullpen by the time you get to October, that you prefer to Brad Hand, but you traded essentially nothing. I don't want to pile on Alec Barger, I think is what you say his name. I'm just guessing at this point. Um, we had some funny moments in Slack today. I'm not sure if you were in there or not at the time, but there was a, uh, let's just say from our minor league guys, no one was very upset about the uh, return that went out. So it's like you basically traded effectively nothing for a guy that might help you. And clearly, as you said, and I said, I just said, has a very defined skill set that could help any team, especially for a team that needed a left-handed reliever. Like I think we were pretty sure that was going to happen and they went out and did it. And like, again, not a, not a grand slam, but it's a nice single. Like I like that move in a vacuum. Yeah, it's a nice depth piece. And I think all three of these guys who the Braves acquired are in that category. Nobody is expecting Brad Hand to go out there and and trade off the ninth inning with Rysel Iglesias anytime soon. (laughs) No, Um, even the eighth and and probably the seventh inning. I don't see much of a role for Hand the way that now A.J. Minter is back, the way uh, Jimenez and Yates have thrown the ball but at the same time, you're, you're hoping that Dylan Lee comes back healthy, but uh, shoulder injuries can be tricky. And and Alex Anthopoulos said as much on his television appearance tonight, you know, lefty relievers have a tendency to just vanish, right? Like he, there's, there's a real concern that if all of a sudden you lose one, you don't want to be caught in a playoffs in situation where you don't have a reliable left-handed reliever especially with some of the power bats that are in the National League. So you add hand, he's going to be in the mix, a good veteran presence out there as well, which is nice. He was, I believe, on the Phillies World Series runner-up team last year. Yep. So he's a guy who has pitched in big moments. I believe he was on Cleveland when they went to the World Series a handful of years ago as well. So he has been around the block for sure. Uh, and you add him to the mix. And let's hope that A.J. Minter and Dylan Lee – Well, Minter's back. Let's hope Minter stays healthy and Dylan Lee gets healthy because we know how effective he has been when he's going right. Now, if if you're telling me the Braves are going to go into September and October with that trio from the left side, you have to feel pretty good about it. Yeah. And, you know, Brad Hand, like you said, has been around the block. Like it's actually going to be his ninth team. He's pitched for the entire NL East, the entire NL East. Once he arrives in Atlanta, that's pretty crazy. Um, again, he is cheaper this year. There's a mutual option um, for $7 million that I think everyone would, would be surprised if he ends up making that much money next year, but it wouldn't be impossible. And look, again, the numbers are awesome against lefties. I do think you can kind of be, honestly, Brad Hand, the way that you frame it just kind of unlocked this in my brain. It's kind of a move that you do when you're a World Series contender, uh, just because of exactly what you laid out. Like, okay, let's say um, no one wants this to happen, but if you, if AJ Minter, you know, tweaks something at the wrong time in October, you just cannot be in a situation where you're uh, you're kind of out of options there. Or if Dylan Lee, Dylan Lee's hurt right now. Like we like Dylan Lee a lot on this podcast. If he doesn't get back, or if he's not right when he gets back, you know, it's sort of a move that you're you're thinking two, two, steps, two steps ahead. And I think the hope would be you don't ever like have this dire need for Brad Hand. But as you pointed out, I think a few weeks ago, actually, with the new structure of the deadline you can't really do anything else after this. So no. like you're, you're almost planning four steps ahead with this kind of move. And again, like we're not trying to sell this to you as this major, major acquisition. I promise you we're not doing that. But if you are clearly planning to be 
And no one's saying that they're going to do this, but they certainly hope to be a World Series team this season. This is the kind of move that you do, even yeah. if you hope that you don't have to have him be that kind of prominent guy. Because look, like there's a chance that Brad Hand is even on the World Series roster or on the playoff roster. Like that's very much in play, but he might be the number two reliever for you from the left side. That's very, very possible too, if Dunley's not back or whatever. So it's a depth move and depth is just not sexy, but like again. Brad Hand is a guy who's been around the block, was a closer, has been a high-level reliever, been kind of a middle reliever. And like for the price, I mean, it's kind of a move you have to do if it's available to you. Yeah, yeah. And for the cost of Alec Barger, uh, 25 years old, still in double A. I mean, that is as small of a prospect cost as you're going to pay. Um, Like you said, I don't want to dump on Alec Barger. No. But, you know, this isn't even a 17-year-old kid who is a lottery ticket. I mean, it's basically just taking on the salary from Colorado and you you nailed it. I mean, he's, you don't know, you can't predict the future. Um, Let's hope the bullpen is healthy and efficient the way it has been all year. But all of a sudden, if you're in a situation where even if it's a minor thing, like, you know, AJ Minter tweaks an ankle and he needs a couple of weeks off, then all of a sudden you have Brad Hand and maybe you have Dylan Lee from the left side as well. Um, and, and then, as we know very well at this point, the playoffs are managed so much differently than the regular <laughs> season is. Yeah. You know, if, if there's a situation where base is loaded in the fifth inning and you're playing the Philadelphia Phillies, I mean, it's Brad Hand time against Kyle Schwarber, against Bryce Harper. Like that, that is Brad Hand's role to a T. And you want a player like that on the roster because you don't want to have to burn an AJ Minter in the fifth inning. Right, You want to save him for a big leverage spot in the 7th or 8th. And if you have that lefty specialist, and sure, you don't want Brad Hand facing a bunch of righties, and let's hope they don't use him in that way. But if if he's out there to get a key left-handed batter, that is absolutely his role. And I think he's going to be a real option for this team because he's a veteran, he's done this before, and, and he has some pretty good stuff too. Yeah, we went deeper on right hand than we will the other guys because this is the newest transaction. So there's been no talk about it. Like, for instance, I know Sean has talked, I think, maybe twice about Pierce Johnson and Nicky Lopez, et cetera. But right hand is the the freshest one today. But yeah, I do think that you want to be very careful with how you use him. Uh, his his number his numbers against righties are not very good, and I would hope that everyone knows that around the around the uh, system and around the around the dugout, for instance. And I think again, him having him being sort of a low profile guy. Um, you want to be careful with that, but I, I, I do like the transaction. So uh, that's one that, again, is definitely more of a single than a home run, but it is what it is. Um, you mentioned you like Pierce Johnson so far. I, I tend to agree. He also comes from Colorado. A couple of by lows. You know, the Rockies, if anybody somebody does, does not know this, the Rockies have trouble with pitching because of the ballpark that they play in. And they're also they're kind of a, a, a disaster organization in some ways. So you're buying low on, on a couple of guys here. Johnson less famous than Brad Hand, but has looked good. And uh, is more of a you know more flexible option potentially. I'm not saying he's going to replace anybody that the Braves already have in high leverage roles, but I think he's got a little bit more upside potentially. And uh, you know again more bullpen depth because that's what you add when you don't need necessarily need anything. You just add bullpen guys basically. Yeah, yeah, he has good stuff. Um, a couple people on Twitter pointed out, and I really like the comparison. He reminds me a lot of Luke Jackson. Okay, he- I can see it. Yeah, he has the power fastball, likes to work up in the zone with it, and then has this big, like, sweeping curve slider. Uh, you know, like, it probably has a name that I can't say on this podcast because we're a family show. 
but it, it moves it right it slides from left to right um it, it has some real cut to it as well and that's a that's a successful a successful mix for a lot of relievers right now he gets a ton of swing and miss as well which has been encouraging um you know in, in it, it's a flyer worth taking uh, that I think there was a world um, I wouldn't have been against the Braves going out and adding a more established and proven right-handed power arm, uh, but it was a seller's market. And I, I guess I can't blame Alex Anthopoulos for not going out and giving out one of the few prime prospects in this organization right now. And with Johnson, I think it's a, uh, you know, an opportunity to take a flyer on a guy who has the big time stuff. Maybe he's in the seventh inning mix moving forward. Um, I, I think he has certainly shown he's going to continue to get opportunities. He has been put into some pretty high leverage spots so far. Um, and again, it, we talked about the depth a minute ago. Just never have too many relievers. That's an unpredictable game. Guys will go from pitching really poorly, and then all of a sudden they're lights out. Guys will be having great years, and then they fall off a cliff. Guys get injured. Uh, there are matchups to account for later on and in the playoffs when you really get to scout an opponent so all of those reasons, I, I like the Pierce Johnson ad. I think it's a it's a worthwhile chance, and um, you can never have too much power pitching, especially from the right side. Yeah, and a point you made there that I want to emphasize too is like Alex kind of talked about this as uh, with with regard to the starting pitchers, which, which we'll come back to in a second. What they didn't do, but I think that there is sort of a dividing line of uh, if you're going to give up real capital as far as the prospects that you're going to, that you're going to send out, it needs to be like for a guy that's like above what you already have if that makes sense and it comes that was more evident on, on the starting side but as far as like yeah i think we all would have liked to see maybe one more big name or you know not necessarily a big name but like a you know more established high upside reliever but you know if you can't get that that kind of level of guy you're better off going cheap and kind of adding multiple options because look for as much as the people seem to be down in the British bullpen they do have a bunch of quality relievers compared to the rest of the market and right now the Braves basically have, you know, what, 12 or 13 guys that you're looking at as potential October relievers, yeah. and you only need seven or eight. So it's like you can you can afford some attrition. You can kind of be choosy. And, you know, depth, again, can be overrated sometimes, I, I suppose. But I think it's just a, a number of options for you if somebody gets hurt or if, you know, somebody's not pitching well. Like if Kirby Yates falls off the cliff or something like that, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I think you want to give your manager and your you know, even your front office, like a bunch of options. And this is the time to do that. So if you have attrition, that doesn't really bite you. Yeah, for sure. And similar to the Brad Hand edition, the cost was very, very small. Yep. I believe it was Victor Vodnik and one other player. So a minimal cost. And as I think we have really tried to hammer home, you know, rosters are effectively locked now at this point. Uh, there might be a free agent out there who kind of trickles through, but for the most part, this is who the Braves are going to roll with throughout the organization for the next few months, hopefully deep into October. Uh, you have Pierce Johnson from the right side. You hopefully will you hopefully get Anderson back. Nick Anderson. God, I was blanking. Nick Anderson back <laughs> in a couple of weeks from the IL as well. He should be back in early September. So yeah, you mentioned there's there's probably 12 or 13 guys who are going to be in consideration at varying levels for the the postseason bullpen. And even then we we see if the Braves are fortunate enough to advance past the NLDS, NLCS and the World Series, 
mean, there can even be turnover in between series, just depending on the matchups and, and all of that. So, um, you know, Hand and Johnson, not, uh, oh boy, Hand and Johnson, not <laughs> uh, the sexiest additions, geez, nice. uh, by, of, of all time, but I like them for what they are. I totally agree. All right, we'll talk about Nikki Lopez and also what the Braves did not do in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor of today's podcast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Scott, before we dive into what the Braves did not accomplish if they wanted to in the last couple of days, a brief moment to talk about Nikki Lopez, who the Braves acquired from the Royals in exchange for Taylor Hearn, who the Braves had just gotten for basically cash considerations. A very weird transaction for the Royals. It's not a Royals podcast, but I don't know why the Royals did this trade. Uh, Have you had had this thought over the last couple of days? Like, I don't understand what the Royals are doing with this trade. I I don't know what the Royals are doing ever. Okay, um, just saying. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not the lead story for us, but I, let me just lay this out just quickly. The Braves acquired Taylor Hearn for cash, and then the Royals traded Nicky Lopez, who, again, is not like an all-star, but has been a very useful big leaguer. They traded him only for Taylor Hearn, who they could have acquired for cash. Like, he was available for cash, like, days before. Anyway, uh, long story short, the Braves gave up very little for Nicky Lopez, who the headliner with him is that he is a, by all accounts, by the metrics, by the eye test, everything, is a tremendous defensive infielder who can play multiple positions in the infield. That is his calling card. And uh, you know, for the most part, he has not really hit. He did have, honestly, an incredible 21-21 season where he actually just decided to hit once in his life. And he, I can't believe this is even true. Scott, he was a six-win player in 2021. That's an all-star, basically. Yeah. Lopez might have the most random six war season of all time and for our listeners who maybe don't love the war stat or aren't familiar with it a six war season is unbelievable like that that is superstar level very very rare only a couple of players get to that mark every year and nikki lopez in 2021 was a six war player that is wild uh just for to back you up on that nikki lopez i'm looking this up right now on fan graphs in 2021 was the 11th most valuable position player in all of baseball. That is absurd. Anyway, <laughs> so by all accounts, no one should expect him to hit like that. And by the way, hit like that was just like being league average. That's because he's so he's so good with the glove that it was basically he hit, he hit like a solid enough infielder and the glove carried him. Um, he has not hit any other time, so I can't expect that. But I think that he is, you know, 
we talked about this with uh with some with Forrest Wall a couple of weeks ago as like a prototypical deep bench guy in the playoffs because he has a good glove and he can just run like the wind. Nicky Lopez is a more established big leaguer than Forrest Wall, obviously, but he's a perfect 24th, 25th, 26th person on your bench who I don't think that he's going to hit at all as far as the Braves this season. Unless they have injuries, he's not going to have to – he won't be pinch hitting for them. But he is a fantastic fielder, and he is versatile. So if somebody tweaks an ankle or whatever, he can play there. And again, the, the price was nothing. Uh, I mean, this isn't – this is kind of just a very, very straight-ahead transaction where it's, it's pretty boring in the grand scheme of things. But it's a move that just like – we talked about with Han and Johnson, like you kind of have to do because if he's available for this, like he's really good defensively, like actually truly good. And like, who cares about the bat at some, at some level? I believe the outs above average defensive metric has Nicky Lopez as the best defensive infielder in major league baseball the last couple of years, which is wild and defensive metrics and stats are not perfect by any means, but Regardless, he is an excellent defender. Um, you're you're right. It's going to be tough for Nikki to come by many at bats. I really don't think he's going to play. Um, I mean, hopefully... it would it would take an injury. I mean, honestly, yeah. again, yeah. It, it would take an injury probably to our probably to Arcia or or Ozzy. Like you know, even then, I don't yeah. know how much he's gonna, he's not going he's not going to hit unless there's injuries. Let's just say that. Like, I'm not going to say he's the Charlie Culverson role, but like he's the guy. Culverson's the guy that Lopez is replacing on the roster. I think he's going to have a lot more on-field utility than Charlie had, but there there might be stretches of time where he doesn't play for two weeks, and that's okay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, short of injury, and let's hope not. Yeah. But, you know, I think Lopez has proven over his career that if Ozzy Albies or Orlando Arcia get hurt, you know, you can put him out there defensively and feel perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, frank, frankly, it's it's an upgrade on the defensive side from either of those guys, which says a lot because those are two quality big league infielders. Offensively, he's not going to give you much, but if there was a scenario where Nicky Lopez was in your lineup batting ninth every night, that's that's not going to kill you. Um, and again, you, you, we talked about it off the top. You know, He feels like the kind of player who you add to your roster when you have the best record in the game, when you have very legitimate World Series aspirations. There really just wasn't anywhere in this lineup to upgrade other than maybe left field. And even that felt very, very much like a long shot. So you add Lopez to the bench. He's versatile. He can play basically anywhere other than catch. Uh, You you could probably even throw him out in center field in like an extreme emergency situation if you had to. Yeah, Uh, There's only so many of those players around the league and you get him for quite literally nothing. Uh, so a, a, a nice bench piece that I think we even talked about the Braves would benefit from adding if they could do so. Yes. And I mean, not to overstate it, but like, here's a simple, a simple thing that could happen, right? We saw what happened when, when Arcia went down earlier this year and they, they went, they had, they had to go to guys who were unproven. It was, it was, it was the Shoemaker Grissom Express, all that stuff. Like now, if you look at the roster before today, well, I guess before they, they acquired Nicky Lopez, if you if you even had a two week injury to either Arcia or Ozzy, it would have had to be Shoemaker Grissom, right? They would have had to go. They would have had to go to the minors to get those tickets a, a yeah. replacement. They had nobody on the. They had nobody on the team. Culberson was not going to start for them. It was not going to happen. So now Lopez would be that guy. Um, and look, I'm not trying to blaspheme, but let's say 
it's the NLCS or it's the World Series and you're up two runs in the ninth inning, they might play them at third base. I mean, that's the kind of thing yeah. that could happen. And it, I mean, I'm not probably won't do that, but it's something that they, that they could do with a straight face and be like, hey, Austin, we know that's controversial. People think he's Brooke Robinson over there. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even Ozzy. I mean, so I had somebody ask me immediately after, like, hey, would they use him over Ozzy in like a like in a playoff game on defense, like in the ninth inning? I'm like, maybe. I, I kind of doubt it, but like, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. He, he's better no. than Ozzy defensively. So it's like, okay, well, I get and, it. You know, the other scenario that just came to mind and not even necessarily a one-for-one replacement, but say that Austin Riley in a tie game in the ninth inning leads off the inning with the walk, you know, you could pull Riley and add uh, Forrest Wall as your base runner Yep, and then put Nicky Lopez at third base. I mean, I think that's that a is very the, or, real or even, or even Arcia. I mean, Arcia is so slow. <laughs> like, yeah. Arcia is such a slow base runner that, like, that's the kind of situation where that would pick. Anyway, we're, we're waiting on the rabbit hole here, but, like, we're just trying to, I think, emphasize that, like, Nicky Lopez – is a like real big leaguer. Like that doesn't mean he's awesome because his bat is really not very good. But as far as like bench guys go, okay, Arcia has, I am not blaspheming Arcia, who actually made me look silly today, which was funny. He he homered after I was pointing out how he's not been that good since his hot start. But Arcia has undeniably been really good this year. I'm not saying anything otherwise, but coming into this season, this is the kind of guy that Arcia was supposed to be. Like your super utility guy. Yeah. And this year he's starting a shortstop. And by the way, proving that was the right decision. But let's just say a year and a half ago, when they brought Arcia in, it was kind of in the Nicky Lopez role. So it's yeah. not like, I'm not saying he's going to blow up like that because he probably isn't, but he's a proven big leaguer. His, he has a real proven skill and I expect him to never hit, but I, I love what you said there. Like if you got an injury and had to have, had him have him play every day and bat ninth in this lineup, that would be fine. Like you, you, you can handle one of those guys. It's, it's not a bad thing to have one non-hitter in your lineup, and the Braves currently have zero, so like it yeah. works. You can you can hide him and survive. Absolutely, if he's batting ninth, and I mean he is not a good hitter, but he's no. not completely <laughs> he worthless. He is not like this. I remember when the Braves used to carry Corky Miller as their backup catcher. I was gonna say that there's there's so many catchers in the league that are like so much worse than Nicky Lopez at the plate. Yeah, I think wasn't there a whole talk? I can't remember who it was. That I'm just blanking now. There was a guy who got traded today. It was a catcher. Um, man, I'm just blanking on who it is. Edges. But oh yes, that's who it was. And I was like, everyone was making fun of his of his bad numbers, but like he just continues to play because he's a, he's a fantastic defensive catcher. And it's like yep. there's a role for that guy. And look, and he, but to your point, Lopez is not that bad. He's not a good hitter. I, I understand. At 21, 21, he was a he was a league average hitter. The rest of his career, he has been well below that. Just want to give you the number while we have it. His career WRC plus is seventy three. Yeah, which is not like twenty. Like it's not like he's absolutely horrible, but that's a it's a pretty bad hitter. So yeah. anyway, he's, he's under control for yeah. a couple of years in arbitration. So I would guess, I mean, the Braves could cut ties with Nicky Lopez at any point this offseason. He is not a uh, a cornerstone of this organization by any means, uh, but he is under control for a few years. He'll be cheap in arbitration. And I think obviously the Braves need some real depth on the infield, especially if they seem pretty inclined by this move. And then we'll move on from our Nicky Lopez breakdown. <laughs> uh, you know, it seems this move to me just about cemented that they want to keep Vaughn Grissom down in Gwinnett through the end of the season yeah. where he he's playing better. I mean, he's really hitting. I think the defense is slowly improving. I think that the the last thing the Braves wanted to do was have it to start yo-yo 
Grissom back and forth from the minors to the majors, as they have done a couple of times now. So you add Nicky Lopez, he can basically cover your entire infield in case of emergency. Uh, In a perfect world, he's never going to play. That means everyone's healthy. That means everyone's going right. There's no issues. And this is one of the best infields in in all the league. In in a perfect world, I'm sorry to say that Nicky will have to just collect his paycheck and sit the bench and be the team cheerleader, which is awesome. And it's a great job. And I would love to have it. Uh, But I just, I think uh, it's, it's a good depth piece to have. He's versatile. And if you need him, you have him, but if you don't need him, you're, you know, there was no capital given up to get to acquire him. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to avoid the rabbit hole of the Grissom shoemake conversation. Um, I, I I still don't understand why shoemakes talked about like he has to play every day in Gwinnett. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Von Grissom should be playing every day in Gwinnett. Braden Shoemake is 25 years old and this utility guy. So anyway, I, I think that would have been what, what I would have recommended if they did not get Nicky Lopez would just have shoemake in the Charlie Culberson role. But alas, here we are. Um, so, okay, we, we touched on the three guys they acquire. We, I mean, I guess they also brought in Yanni Chirinos. We could go. we we'll talk about that if you want to. Uh, that was not a trade, though. It was a claim. Um, I'll just ask you this, Scott. Are you worried about anything? And I think the area that everyone has kind of circled is starting pitching. Um, you know, you know me. If you're if you're a long-time listener, you will know that I basically always say that I want the Braves to trade for a starting pitcher. Not just this season. Like, Every year, I'm always like, get another starter if you possibly can, because I just think that you can't have too many of those guys. So you, you kind of know how I feel. But uh, were you bothered by the lack of starting pitching addition at the deadline? You know, I, I said earlier on Tuesday, I was hoping the Braves would add a starter. I still feel that in a perfect world, they would have added a starting pitcher. Uh, the, at, at present, they don't need one. But I just maybe I'm scarred from last year. That that's probably what it is. I'm probably a little scarred from last year where we felt really good about this rotation. And then we blinked, and all of a sudden Spencer Strider pops his oblique, and Max Fried became deathly ill the week before the playoffs. <laughs> At a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Worst possible time. Uh you I mean, you you could not have scripted worse timing than than those two injuries when they happened. So that's probably why I'm a little jaded from last year. I think it would have been ideal to add a starting pitcher, but Alex Anthopoulos even said as much in his interview tonight. You just start to do the math on the 26-man and then 28-man roster when it expands in September. Excuse me, in September, you know, there's not a ton of spots. So I, I guess I don't blame him for going out and meeting some outrageous demand for a rental. Um, at the end of the day, I think they'll be okay. You just kind of have to hope that everyone stays healthy and they're able to give a couple of these starters who have pitched basically every fifth day the entire way a breather at some point because Bryce Elder has never done this for a full year at the major league level. Charlie Morton is 39. Spencer Strider could surely use a bit of a breather to keep him a little fresh. Um, and, and then Max Freed seems to be healthy and seems to be back. I guess I'm just always a little nervous about elbow injuries with pitchers. Uh, but I, I guess every single team in the league can probably say the same. Yes. And it is probably worth noting now that Freed is, they've not announced this, but everyone believes he's going to pitch on Friday in his debut. And that'll be the first time he's pitched in quite some time, which would be obviously very nice. And he is a elite pitcher when he is out there. And, you know, Anthopolis acknowledged multiple times, you know, in the, in the press conference, in addition to the TV interview, I believe as well, that they checked on starting pitchers. They, they called on him. 
uh, I believe the quote was the bar was higher for us to add end quote with regard to, you know, having Freed and Kyle Wright waiting in the wings. And that, that does make sense. And I think that it seems like um, actually he even said this, he said the Braves would have made a move as starting pitcher quote, if we could find an impact starter. So it seems like they were kind of aiming high and if they didn't get anybody at that level, they were prepared to roll with, with, with what they already have depth wise, which I, I do understand that thinking. I probably still would have added another even uninspiring arm just for death purposes. Like, but maybe they're just viewing that as Yanni Chirinos, who, again, I'm not terribly excited about. But maybe he was the guy that they would have, quote unquote, traded for. And they just happened to add him via waiver claim. So I, I get it on all counts. I would have still done a sort of more fringy move if I had to do that uh, because of all of what you said. Like they have a bunch of guys who are you know, in some way uncertain freed and right with injury strider with you know workload obviously he's looked awesome for the most part but he's not like a guy who's, who's done this five times where he's pitched two innings that kind of thing morton's age elder has been a little bit shakier but has been better recently um yeah it's not they don't have any like no one is bulletproof because nobody ever is with pitching but you know what i mean and i don't know i i get it i, I do understand what he's saying maybe my heart would have been uh assuaged by another arm but the bar is higher and his and his uh maybe maybe it's spin it probably is spin on some level but just the, that, that principle kind of goes back to the bullpen too like yeah if you could get a top top of the line guy it's going to cost you and i am okay if they were if, they, if basically the question was we, we could give up very little for some uninspiring guys i.e yanni chirinos or we can give up a lot for a middle tier guy I choose the first option and it seems like they just couldn't get it. Like, wasn't there, yeah, there was a report this week that they, were, that they called a Berlander, for instance. Like if yeah. you could do that, like, okay. And he's not like old Verlander anymore, but you know what I mean? Like there's a line there where like maybe a water Rodriguez would have been, would have been interesting. He's the guy I know you circled, I think earlier yeah. today. Um, I would agree. That would be a guy where it's like worth it. But if, if you're going two steps below that, like just kind of roll with what you have. I, I, I do understand that. Yeah. I do too. I mean, someone like Lance Lynn who got traded. I mean, he, he wasn't blowing me away. No. Uh, Michael Lorenzen actually went to the Phillies. You know, Lorenzen is fine as like a three or a four starter, uh, but a, not a high true impact arm. Um, and, and again, it was a seller's market. There were only a couple of teams who ended up really selling. Uh, so it wasn't like he, the Mets. Of, yeah. <laughs> and you, had a feeling the Mets probably weren't uh, returning Alex's phone calls super quickly uh, just for, for a couple of reasons. Um, so it was a seller's market. This farm system is not deep. It's not like the Braves have so many prospects. They don't know what to do with them. And really it just oh, comes no. down to a, a bet and kind of a cross your fingers and hope your cross your fingers and close your eyes that Max Freed comes back healthy. Kyle Wright at some point could also return and then if if all goes well, you still feel really good about your rotation going into the playoffs. Again, I think it's just in the back of all of our minds that you just assume the worst. And uh, but I guess the counterbalance of that is every team in, in Major League Baseball runs the risk of losing starting pitching right before the playoffs. Yes. And the Braves have already used um, it's not been historic, but they've used a lot more starters this year than you normally would through the end of July and it's been a revolving door. And that comes, that comes with territory when you have free and right, just like not pitching for large sums of time. And yeah, it, there's some uncertainty there for sure. Like I, I think it's totally fine for anybody to be worried about that. 
Um, I'm kind of worried about it, but I also understand what, what, what they did and what they didn't do here. Um, in, in look, part of the flexibility here on not doing something big is that they're so good. It's kind of the same thing about the left field slash DH spots. Like, I think we never thought they were going to do a big move there because they still are invested in Rosario and Ozuna and they're very streaky, but they're okay hitters and they have Kevin Pillar and like they, they have enough to get by. That's kind of the other area that people were focused on. You know, I'm sure they made some calls, but I was far less surprised, let's say, that they didn't make a move there, even though it would have been nice to like wake up uh, last night or something like that to like a real starting caliber left fielder. That's probably better than Eddie Rosario, but that would have been kind of a luxury pick for an offense that's the best in the league, basically. Yeah, and Alex Anthopoulos said they looked and thought about adding an impact bat. Um, There, frankly, just weren't a ton of those that moved over the last week. Um, And then there's the clubhouse dynamic thing, too. Uh, I think if if you're making these moves on MLB The Show, it's a lot easier. You're talking about a clubhouse that has real human beings. Uh, clearly the vibes are good guys like Eddie Rosario and, and Marcelo Zuna carry a lot of respect in that clubhouse and sure they're not perfect players by any means but I think with the way this roster is constructed you, you don't want to go in and really start rocking the boat um, I, I know Brad you'll probably recall this better there was a few years ago where the Golden State Warriors were just wow. on their NBA torrent- reference Look at that. They're torrential. I don't know why I remember this so well, but the Warriors were on their crazy run and they did quite literally nothing at the trade deadline. And Steve Kerr came out and said, are you nuts? Why would we mess with a single thing? Um, The Braves didn't necessarily do nothing, but I think the last thing that Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snitker were going to do is start to bring in some, you know, replace guys in the lineup that has been so successful since day one. Right. And I think it would have had to have, to have been, you know, the word impact is the one that Alex used multiple times today. I think it would have had to have been such an obvious upgrade that everyone understands it. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same. Like, I, I think that there was not really a world where he was going to make a move on a left fielder that's like 10% better than any Rosario. No. You know what I mean? It would have had to be like a guy who's like awesome. And I think that was not likely to happen, given the fact that the Braves are, by the way, as a reminder, still bottom five consensus in terms of farm system system rankings, they don't really have a ton of prospect capital. They've used it well, what they have. The guys they acquire were kind of for low impact prospects, but they don't have, you know, two handfuls of screaming top tier prospects. They have Grissom if they wanted to go crazy. They have Smith Shaver. They have a couple of guys who are considered to be, you know, kind of upper tier, but no top 10 guys, no top 20 guys, and the depth is not great either. So they have to pick their spots. I think he, he probably knows that, and I think that was probably why you didn't see that in addition to what you just said, which is a great point. Again, this is uh, this is real-world stuff, and while we're on the outside, they do consider that, t- that, that kind of stuff, and, and they have enough. Like As we'll talk about in a second, um, the Braves haven't faced a left-handed starting pitcher since June 20th. It's August 1st, Scott, uh, until tonight. And so Kevin Pillar has just been like chilling, and he's like, on the team for one reason to face left- lefty starters and he's not been playing at all because they just haven't faced one in literally six yeah. weeks. That's so wild, it's weird, man. Uh, the whole yeah. thing is weird, but they're, they're okay. Improved. They're okay. We're not, we're not excited about Rosario and Ozuna, but like it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. They're fine. Yep. And just a, a quick note on that. Why Brad, Brad and I were laughing about the left-handed starter thing. Uh, the Braves absolutely mash left-handed pitching. Yes. They are far and away the best in the league at doing it and there's probably some randomness in not seeing any lefties 
but I know like the uh, there, there was one team I forget who maybe the Diamondbacks coming out of the after the uh, All Star game they just flat out said yeah we we set it up so they wouldn't see our lefties and they threw three right handed pitchers at the Braves. Uh, so yeah, I, I know Kevin Pillar's kind of been forgotten on the bench, but he's had some moments. He's had all of like five at bats over the last month, which is wild. He's kind of on the uh, Charlie Culberson plan of of being there but never getting in. Um, and sure, I, I think just put a bow on the lineup discussion. Even if guys like Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna have run very hot and cold and have done so in tandem basically all season long. It, it just realistically and logistically, it would have been very difficult to come in and usurp one of those guys from the lineup. It would have been, and I'm going to back you up right now on some stats about le- facing left-handers. Uh, for one thing, the Braves have the fourth fewest at-bats against lefties this year, which is on purpose because teams know they, that they kill them. They're also number one in the league in OPS by 52 points against lefties. Yeah, That is a giant gap. And yeah. by the way, it's it's 79 points over the, the closest team in the National League. So uh, that is why teams do not face the Rays with left hand pitch, because they just they get absolutely rocked. Um, anyway, so, I mean, unless you have more to add, we can probably move on from the Braves yeah. line stuff. I mean, we did a pretty good job, I think, in just generally speaking, like wrapping it up. They added depth. They gave up nothing. This is a World Series contending team. And in the minds of the metrics and in the minds of the betting market, the favorites won the world series. Does that mean they're like favorite against the field? No, but if you had to pick one team, I have not seen a projection system recently that has not had the Braves at, 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 with the best odds to win the world series. And they're still pretty low. It's still like 20, like 20% kind of thing. Cause that's what baseball looks like, but they are uh, in really good shape and they were before today and they are to now. Yeah. And the good news, the rest of the national league really did not do a ton at the deadline today. No, you know, there's probably a world where a team like the Dodgers, who have the financial resources and the farm system, could go out. And I know they were linked to Justin Verlander. You know, there's a world where a team went out and adds a Verlander and an impact bat and a closer. And all of a sudden you go, man, that good team just got a lot better. Uh, there, there were some moving parts, to be sure. All the contenders added relievers of some kind. Um, a couple of, you know, the Phillies and the Marlins made a couple of additions as well, but overall there's really just for my money. Anyway, the Braves are still clearly the favorites in the national league and uh, all of the metrics and systems seem to agree. Yeah. The Dodgers had a deal actually, I guess, agreed to for Eduardo Rodriguez, except they never asked him and he had a, uh, no trade clause, which was, I don't know who messed that up, whether it was Detroit or what was going on there, but uh, that's one of those weird situations where like it got reported as being done and like no one seemed to ask the player <laughs> that had a no trade clause. So yeah. uh, that would have been their big move for the Dodgers just to back you up there. Like that that did not happen because he said no yeah. to it. And the Dodgers, it, I mean, in my mind, and I, and I think in the minds of projections, like, they are the probably the best team other than the Braves in the, Nas- in the National League. And they didn't really do a big thing. Um, like the Phillies got better with Lorenzen. The Marlins got better, but like I'm not, really scared of either one of them knock on wood uh we should at least make fun of the Mets one more time uh they traded five of their top guys um and uh I'm gonna let you deliver the Max Scherzer uh quotes from today because that is uh just catnip for Braves fans because the Mets are of course the team that Braves fans probably are uh in the angst relationship with at this point in time and the Mets were the other team that was considered like a co-favorite in the National League East this year uh, obviously we've we've discussed this many times the Mets have been a disaster 
all year long, and they are very, very clearly punting on the season. But, uh, man, what a whirlwind for the Mets the last couple of days. Yeah, talk about a complete and total collapse. Uh, Max Scherzer today was quoted on the record by The <laughs> Athletic. Is, that is insane. On the record, by the way, still. Whew. So a couple of days ago, Max Scherzer went to the Mets general manager, Billy Epler, and said, hey, what's the deal? Are we?" This was right after the Mets had just traded their closer, David Robertson. And at the time, you know, the Mets are only like six or seven games out of the wild card. There's a bunch of teams ahead of them, but it is kind of weird to see a team just completely sell everything when they're only six or seven back for a playoff spot. Yep. But nonetheless, Max Scherzer went to Billy Epler and was like, hey, dude, like, you know, what's the plan? And uh, Billy Epler said that they are more or less the New York Mets are punting this season. Uh, 2024 is going to be more of a, quote, transitory year (laughs) and they are now looking at 2025 and 2026 as their vision to be competitive again and which is just remarkable for a team blows my mind i mean okay this is not a mets podcast we'll we'll try not to do very long on this but um it was also being i'm not sure if you saw this too it was kind of being spun as if the mets had had this great deadline because they i mean I, i will say I, what's the word for it? I think it was probably smart for the Mets to sell. So I will give them that. Um, But the fact that they are being praised for this is pretty funny in itself. The fact that apparently Billy Epler told Max Scherzer that they're basically going to be kind of pseudo rebuilding for next year with, again, a a team that is not built to do that. Like they still have some high-priced guys and some guys that they – are in Winnow mode with, and also, like, to have that get out is just really bad optics in every oh, single yeah. possible way. I mean, Max it's it's Scherzer. very funny, but uh, it's yeah. wild. Yeah, Scherzer had to be like actually pissed off. And, oh like, yeah, pissed off a couple of days later. Like, this he, I mean, wasn't... I mean, he got, I mean, obviously he got traded, so there's a little bit of a caveat there. Like, he's not. It would have been even crazier if he was still there. But the fact that he said that as a as an old school pro guy, like that is wild in itself and i don't know man the only the only thing that i will say is that the mets have an owner where you know eating like a hundred million dollars which is what happened today basically in the last couple of days it doesn't actually matter to them so like i guess small credit to steve cohen for being like hey i'm gonna spend this money just like to get prospects back because the really the really trade was literally they paid 50 something million dollars just to have it actually get a regular return i know our, our mutual friend steven who as a host on this network was like having a aneurysm about the fact that they were actually going to get prospects back for Verlander before the the word came out that they get, that actually they actually still paid like almost all of his salary. Yeah, uh, it was a wild situation. But anyway, I had to make fun of the Mets because no. it's the Mets number one. But uh, man, what a total meltdown of a season for the Mets. We'll probably have more fun with this later on. But they traded Verlander, Scherzer, Mark Canna, Tommy Pham, like just not all their guys. Obviously, they still have Pete Alonso and whatever else. But I mean. They spent so much money on Verlander and Scherzer and had that just turn into absolutely nothing. It's just wild. Yeah. Yeah. Just to echo what Steven was saying. Yeah. They were almost, the Mets were almost getting applauded for eating $80 million in salary <laughs> in order to add like two top 100 prospects. 
Um, that that's wild, man. I mean, John Coppola did that for like six million dollars for Bronson Arroyo. Bronson Arroyo, legend, and got Tuki Tucson for it. Uh, so, I mean, that's uh, yeah, what a downfall for the New York Mets. I hope somebody writes like a really good in depth book because I would happily read it. That is an organization that looked like they were about to be just too big to fail. And they put all of their eggs in the basket of these 40-year-old starting pitchers and combine that with a lineup that has been super inconsistent and it has just fallen apart beautifully. And uh, I mean, those quotes from a GM to get out of, yeah, we're basically don't care about this year. We, We don't really foresee us being competitive next year. And that that's crazy. And that stuff just really rarely leaks. And again, man, this was days after the trade that Scherzer said all of this. This wasn't even a heat of the moment thing where a, a player right. will say something to a media member that they shouldn't. Uh, this was days after the fact for Scherzer to say all of it. Yeah, he had time to cool off. And uh, just to put up one more point on it, the fact that the quote about next year is the one that's wild because you know everybody can everybody can see that they're punting this year. That's not a huge surprise. They just traded five high price guys, but to come out in you know late July of this season when you're obviously trying to win now and say that 24 is going to be a transitory year when you're number one you're in New York, but you also have expectations like they were you know for all the shut in front around the Braves and the blown lead like they were really good last year <laughs> like they were very good and oh, they, yeah. they won 100 games like that was a good it was a good team but and for this to happen anyway it's wild and I, I I'm glad you know Braves fans this is part of the part of the fun of being a rival is that you can you kind of have to enjoy it when your rival just makes a total mess of itself and they definitely have in the last uh, couple of months so okay before we get out of here we should at least mention the Braves have won four of the last five games uh, we've not done a ton of results talk on this podcast, but because this is the, uh, the Tuesday night show uh, this week, the Braves swept the Brewers and then they split with the Angels so far. Uh, anything jump out the screen to you? I mean, tonight's game is the one that no one's talked about on this podcast network. A um, couple of home runs for Michael Harris. That was good to see. Um, you know, all Basically, everyone was hot against Milwaukee, especially Ozuna, who went crazy, and Riley, who continued to be hot. Matt Olson is leading league in home runs. Like, it's it's gone very well recently after that little hiccup against Boston and Milwaukee and, you know, Arizona for a little bit before that. I don't know how you're feeling about like just generally speaking, but it's nice to have like, in, in addition to the deadline, four wins in five days to talk about is not a bad thing. Yeah. They seem like they have figured a few things out and we knew at some point this team was going to cool down a little bit. They, as fun as it was to talk about that, they probably were never going to win 117 games like they were on pace for at I mean, the All-Star they, they, break. They, they still can, Scott. It's not over yet. They, they could do it. I mean, this lineup, I think Tuesday night's game was just the perfect example of, sure, this isn't a team that's going to string together a bunch of hits and you know a bunch of singles. But, man, with the home run ball, this team can score with anybody. Um, a great stat that came out tonight uh, through 105 games, the 2023 Atlanta Braves are second all-time in home runs. So the leader through 105 games was the 2019 Minnesota Twins. They had 205 home runs through 105. And this year's Braves are at 203 after 105, which is just wild. I believe they had four more on Tuesday night. Uh, and, and the Angels are a solid team, and so were the Brewers. So to, to win four out of five against some good competition is really encouraging. 
the you know the Braves have had a a fairly rough stretch of schedule lately. They have not had any dogs just to beat up on, and they've they've maintained their lead in the East. They're still eleven games up. I mean, I think until unless that division lead creeps down to like four or five. I mean, you real obviously you want the Braves to win every single night, but uh, with that kind of a cushion, you can have a downturn. And hey, if you maintain your lead all the same, um, you know, it just it worked out really, really well. It did, and the Braves scored twenty nine runs in three games against against Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is a good run prevention team like they're not incredible but they are above average run prevention for the season and to score that many runs in a three-game series shows off the upside to win tonight etc um it is pretty obviously a gauntlet of an offense they lead the national league and run scored i mean none of this is breaking news to anybody listening to this podcast but um it was good to see them kind of just turn it on and um you know, you mentioned the the twin stat. They are the NL record holder in that stat, as well as the first team in NL history to have 200, 200 home runs before August 1st. Um, also, they're on pace for the franchise record. Uh, seven guys are on pace for at least 20 home runs for the Braves right now, which would be a franchise record. So it's up and on the lineup. It's the depth. It's the power. Uh, and uh, no, nothing breaking news there. But, I mean, Riley, it's so funny with Riley in particular. Like, he, we all kind of talked about, in a circle, how he had been kind of not himself. And then run on Q gets eight home runs in 11 games. Uh, Ozuna <laughs> hit four home runs and 10 plate appearances after just doing nothing for quite some time. Like they are kind of hot and cold, but when you have nine guys, literally who can all hit for that kind of power, you can be hot and cold individually. Like, cause oh, usually yeah. that means three or four guys are hot at the same time. Yeah. Like it, for his standard, even like Ronald, has cooled down a little bit and yeah, and, and Murphy. Murphy too. Yeah. I was going to say Murphy's yeah. been cool. And it's, I, I mean, it's Murphy. not like nothing to worry about. I mean, I, I mentioned today, like I know RC has been pretty good in the last couple of weeks, but I threw out, which is made, I made fun of this earlier, but Arcia had famously the red hot start. Like he had like a thousand OPS. And since that point, he's been pretty mediocre and at the plate. And I will say like, even in that tweet, I said, look, the Braves can't handle this because he's a good defender and yeah. he's not been that bad at the plate, but like, he's obviously cooled off. But again, it doesn't matter when like you have all these guys and of course RCA bomb tonight, but Murphy, Ronnie, they've all kind of done. I mean, nobody's been, I mean, Ronnie's the MVP favorites, so obviously he's kind of separately, but nobody's been like perfectly hot the whole way. Like it just, that's not what happens. Right. And you know, you, you don't feel as much when a guy is in a cold spell. Like I didn't realize Murphy was in a four for 41 stretch. Yep. I mean, that, that's really tough four for 41. And you don't even realize it because the team is still putting up six, seven, eight runs every night. Uh, Michael Harris is probably the, the prime example of this team. Harris gets off to the slow start, has the back injury that cost him some time and Harris has been as good as like any outfielder in the National League other than Ronald Acuna Jr. over the last couple of months. And on Tuesday night, the two home runs hit a ball 457 feet. Um, it really does just speak to the, the just pure power in this lineup. It's so much fun to watch. And again, Alex Anthopoulos talked about it tonight in the broadcast booth. In the playoffs, in October baseball, it's really tough to string together four or five singles in an inning to, to put a rally together. But when you hit that ball over the fence, it is automatic offense. Uh, there's a there's a crazy number, and I, I, I saw it earlier about teams that out-homer the other in the playoffs win like 80% of the time the last four or five years. So if you can hit the ball over the fence, the Braves do it very, very well. 
nothing is guaranteed in October, as we know very, very well. But if you give yourself a chance to win, and with this lineup, I think the Braves are going to have a real shot to do something special. Strongly agree. And uh, just as an arbitrary endpoint, um, some post-All-Star stats to back us up a little bit. Um, they have three guys since All-Star break, which is, again, it's only like two, two and a half weeks. But Rosario, Darno, and Murphy all have 600 OPS or worse in the last two and a half weeks. But at the same time, Riley, Olsen, Harris, Acuna, and Arcia after today all have a 900 OPS or more in that table. So like you have five guys playing at a star level and suddenly having three guys not playing very well doesn't matter. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. there's yeah. a there's a beauty to having eight or nine guys that could just mash at any point in time. And uh, they have that on this roster. In fact, you can even say it's kind of 10 because you can fit if you factor in, if you include Rosario and Ozuna and then throw in Darno, like they kind of have 10. Um, oh, so, yeah. No, they uh, have they have 10 guys who would start for basically every team. Yeah, the only the only guy who isn't like I, I think probably firmly in that spot. I mean, you have you know Rosario and Ozuna are a little bit further down, but as far as you know, the ability to get hot at the plate, we've seen what Ozuna is capable of over two three weeks if he's hot. Oh, yeah. and Rosario same thing. Like they're not you know over over one sixty two. Those guys are not incredibly impressive for most teams, but given their you know their platoon splits and their power and their hot streaks, like when they look good, it's as good as anybody. So anyway. We've said all kinds of things on this podcast, which we say um, we're recording this podcast very late on Tuesday evening. So I'm sure people will listen to this after this, but the Braves actually play a 1220 game on Wednesday. Scott's personal favorite, the 920 AM start in Arizona uh, against uh, that's the final game against the angels. It is Lucas Giolito making his debut for the angels against Yanni Chirinos. Uh, Scott, will you see anything on Wednesday? I will see the highlights. <laughs> uh, I will kind of be in that same boat. I'll be at work as well. Not quite as early for me, but um, that's the game on Wednesday. And then they actually have an off day on Thursday before they go to the Wrig- Wrigley field over the weekend. So we'll prove that, prove that a little bit before we got here because that game, those games should be uh, more relevant to people listening to this podcast Wednesday and Thursday. The Cubs are pretty good. I mean, they're right now they're 500, but they have a very, very positive run differential. Like they're a top four or five in the National League run differential. So like, I think the Cubs are pretty darn solid. And uh, it's a road series. Wrigley's got Wrigley things. I mean, the win could be going any, any different direction. Also, all three games are at 220. So they have afternoon games. The next four games are all played afternoon on the uh, eastern half of the United States, Scott. So uh, thoughts and prayers to you. Yeah, some afternoon specials. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the Cubs are... A pretty good team, man. I they mean, are. they've won eight out of ten. They just had a seven-game winning streak. Uh, they're putting a twenty spot on the Cincinnati Reds tonight. Um, oh you know, it looked I, like I didn't, I didn't even see that. That is, that, that is, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, they did twenty, 20 runs, twenty, twenty and to nine. Hope, hope nobody had the under in that game. The Cincinnati was... Reds are a really fun offense, but I just the pitching, man. They don't have the pitching. Um, but nonetheless, with this hot run the Cubs are on, they're only three games back of a wild card spot. Uh, they they have some guys in that lineup who are really hitting. Cody Bellinger has had a resurgence. Uh, Dansby is having a good year. It'll be nice to see him. I believe this is the first time the Braves have seen the Cubs, but have they already come to Truist? It's all a blur. And I was on the other side of the globe for like four weeks, so I might I might have missed one. But uh, 
<laughs> Nonetheless, a uh, you know, Cubs are a solid team. No, this is I, but just 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 to uh, throw this in there. I'm doing the research live on the podcast. No, the Braves have not played the Cubs this year, so this is yeah, the first time. I didn't think so. Congrats to uh, you for knowing that off the top of your head. Good to see Dansby. He seems to be enjoying Chicago. Uh, Cubbies are going to be another challenge. Hopefully, we don't get one of those crazy wind games at Wrigley. Although usually the wind craziness seems to happen earlier in the year. And then once summer comes around, the weather is much, much better. Uh, but nonetheless, always fun to go to Wrigley, a fun dynamic there. And and again, we, we kind of said this of the Brewers series last weekend. You know, it's a potential playoff preview. If the Cubs keep going well, they could sneak into the wild card. And then who knows what happens in that wild card series. Maybe they win and then they play Atlanta um, so just, a, a, I want to say a super tough stretch for the team, but nonetheless, a competitive squad and, and one that's playing really good baseball. Yeah. I mean, they play and after that, they go, they go to Pittsburgh and then, uh, the New York Mets next weekend. That'll be fun to watch, uh, against the, the suddenly really New York Mets. But yeah. Interesting kind of set of games here. We'll have podcast content the rest of the week, but uh, I know people will be listening to this show after the game on Wednesday, so I at least wanted to preview uh, the weekend as well. Uh, overall, I think we were fairly clear about this, but we uh, feel pretty good. I think I can, I can speak for you, Scott. If, if not, please correct me, but I feel like we're uh, in a pretty good headspace on August 1st, and yeah. the Braves, look, it's it's baseball. Nothing is <laughs> nothing is assured. Um, Fangraphs is super high on the Braves as far as their playoff odds. And uh, even as high as they are, I think they're like 25% chance to win the World Series, something like that, which I think is honestly really high and really impressive if you follow this stuff. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how it all breaks down. But I'm excited to watch all of it. And uh, the Braves are pretty good, I think. They are pretty good. This has been such a fun season to watch, especially the last couple of months. Um, even when the, the team loses, it still feels like they hit a couple of home runs. And even again, even in the losses, their their games tend to be pretty close. You know, it's rare for them to get blown out. And even though they lost on Monday night against L.A., uh, you know, the game was in reach, right? They had the tying run at the plate a couple of times. So really just a, a fun, complete roster. Seems like a great group of guys. And maybe they didn't go in and, and rock the boat too much at the trade deadline. But I think ultimately they added a couple of nice depth pieces hopefully get a little bit healthier in the coming weeks. And then you see what happens. Yes, indeed. And uh, hopefully we can reverse jinx some stuff. It was, it was Riley a couple of weeks ago. It was Arcia today. And uh, I'm sure we'll find a way to say just some stats, then be accused of negativity and then have that guy go crazy and then have us celebrate it. That's usually the cycle on this podcast. Never Scott, where, where can folks find all of your work? If we happen to have some new listeners here at the deadline, uh, where can folks find all of your work either on Twitter slash X or elsewhere? There you go. I am on X at Scott <laughs> Coleman 55. Um, be sure to check out the site at battery power SBN as well. A ton of great content on there. Had a lot of reaction to today's trades. Of course, the day-to-day coverage with Chris and the writing team. So a lot of good things on the horizon. We are finally in the home stretch of the season uh, really just two months to go until the playoffs, which is kind of crazy. I feel like August really snuck up on all of us. Um, and nice to do one of these with you, Brad. I hope uh, I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. You are fully on. Uh, you are off the injured list about that. And uh, we'll be back again next weekend. I am off the injured list officially. And I appreciate you saying that for folks for hanging in there with us. But yes, we will have podcast content. We always do. Uh, we have three shows on this same podcast feed. It is us. 
usually about once a week and then more in the playoffs. Then we have Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman. We have the podcast we name later with Chris and Steven, all of that for $0. So please, please, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We really do appreciate that as well as reading the site at batterypower.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this trade on breakdown. We'll have much more to come. We'll see you all next time. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.